In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It is good to have the cross and the crucified Christ right in front of us here on the altar. To remind us, remind me today that preaching in full sun, vested, is nothing compared to what the Lord went through. And to be grateful for this opportunity of being here today. Today I would like to tell you a little bit about dictators, antichrists, Marxisms, ingratitude, and gratitude. A few thoughts to take home as we go back into the world, a world that brings all these things to us. The Lord said, The very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. The stone is Christ Himself. The head of the corner of the building is the stone upon which the whole building is built. Walls, two walls come together, rather start from the cornerstone, signifying the two categories of people that Christ unites, the Jews and the Gentiles. Indicating that in Him, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no rich, there's no poor, there's no man, there's no female, there's no slave, there's no master, there's... In Christ we all become one. He is the stone, the cornerstone. What the gospel did not indicate today, we just stopped prior to these verses, is whoever falls on the stone will be broken. On whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. This is a very sobering reading of the gospel and the epistle today, brothers and sisters. And for most of you, this is unknown because the way the calendar of the church is arranged, this reading falls when it happens, the years when it happens. Most likely it fell on the Sundays when we had the festival. The stone. Whoever falls on the stone will be broken. On whoever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Is a stone that some people over centuries, especially in the last century, try to replace with themselves. Hitler, Stalin, Mao, Ceausescu, Pol Pot are five examples of people who declare themselves to be the stone, remove Christ from the society they, they were leading, and they declare themselves to be the stone. And if you had to be in trouble with them, God forbid, you're gone. You're gone. These five characters are presented beautifully by Father Josiah in a set that I sent to you to listen to a podcast called Antichrist of the 20th Century. But Father Josiah doesn't stop at the 20th century. He points at the 21st century in this very country, indicating in the, fifth, the sixth session called uh, Reflections on Marxisms and its uh, uh, if possible effects in our society today. I encourage you to listen to those. I did, and I was greatly edified. And I can testify to you what he said about Ceausescu, under whose rule I grew up, was very correct and accurate. Nevertheless, these five leaders who proclaimed themselves to be the cornerstone of their societies had many things in common. When it comes to trust, privilege, freedom, accountability, they all behave the same way. They established... A culture of total mistrust. 
They would not even trust their left hand from the right. They removed all the privileges of their own people. They took the property of the people, confiscated. Would this be land? Would this be factories? Would be businesses? All confiscated. They abolished the freedom of human beings and changed it into terror that was very well communicated and diffused to all the levels of society. They held people accountable in front of the devil whom they represented. They killed between the five of them over a hundred million people. Many of those martyrs who celebrate the divine liturgy today with us in the presence of God the Father by His throne. These people produced many saints who in the midst of affliction, in the midst of this deliberate, sinful, huge-scale sin, preserved their faith, and in gratitude, they moved towards their own salvation. These are people who took the Marxist ideology, who was popular in very small circles, and by means of distortion, abusive, opportunistic behavior, They brought it as the big banner for the working class who was promised to be to to have their chains taken away. To quote Father Josiah, the workers did not have their chains of their oppression by the rich people, quote unquote, the bourgeois of the society taken away. What they had taken away was their lives. This got in their society through very sneaky ways. At times of crisis, economical, political. And it grew to be more intense year after year. Violence was proclaimed. As a matter of fact, violence demonstrations were the only way of moving forward. Not peaceful demonstrations, as themselves proclaimed this. Lies and miscommunication. Terror and Mass graves. The theory of Marx now implemented by these people who ultimately went crazy, lost it completely, were paranoid, went as far as wiping off cultures. You're familiar with the cultural revolution of China and what Ceausescu was doing in Romania. Taking down statues and and, uh, objects of the history the day in the United States is nothing compared to what they went to. Yes, statues were taken off. Books were burned. Big fires like the one in Santa Cruz. With the books of the previous generations to start anew, start afresh, to be renewed. And have Mao the cornerstone. And have Ceausescu the cornerstone. Or Hitler or Stalin. God forbid. God forbid. Allow me to switch now to the uh, gospel lesson today which is very rough. The Lord said a parable, and then He asked those who were listening to Him, the leadership, to react to that. This man now, says this parable in the temple. In the temple, with the Pharisee and the leaders of of the temple, all around him. He was in the middle like I'm here, and you think I'm boiling in my bed. He must have been fried there by this guy's looks and feelings and intense 
intense hatred for him. Because what he told them in this parable was smacking their faces dead on the money, pertaining to them. This parable now is about the Jews, about their own nation. The Lord said this parable, There was a householder who planted a vineyard. The householder is God. The vineyard, according to Isaiah, the prophet himself, called the people of Israel the vineyard. God called the people of Israel the vineyard. And the householder set the hedge around it. You know what a hedge is? It's a fence. He put a fence around the people of Israel by means of the law of Moses. He told them, this is your boundary, guys. You are to behave. You are to conduct a moral life. You are to marry wives, women from your tribes. Don't go to the, to the pagans. You are not to worship idols and so on. They had a long law. This was their boundary, the hedge that God put in place. And dug a wine press. Do you know what a wine press is? It's the place where the grapes are collected and squeezed, and the juice is taken to be made wine. The best part of the grapes, the wine. He did this too. What else did he do? And build a tower. So they'll get up there and watch. So no intruders will come in and guard it. The tower represents the synagogue. The synagogue, the church that the Jews had. And in this synagogue, forgive me, the wine press was the altar. The wine press, why? Because the juice, the wine, now prefigured by the blood of the sacrifices they were bringing, was, was poured on the altar. And what did he do? He led it out to the tenants and went into another country. I'd like you to make big note of this. Because this might be the only good news today. <laughs> that God did everything. He did all the work. He put everything in place. And number one, He trusted these people. The cornerstone Christ trusts people. Hitler, Ceausescu and the rest did not trust, not even their own shadow. But He trusted His people, his, the Jews, and he went to a far country. The Holy Father said this signifies not only the trust, but the distance between the Lord and them, signifying His patience with them. He was patient. He was far away. He gave them room to do whatever they had to do. The natural thing. Take care of the vine. When the season of fruit drew near, He sent His servants... <clears throat> He sent his servants to the tenants. The fruits were ready, the grapes were ready. He sends his servants to this ground to get the fruit. What is this fruit that the, the Father expects from the Jews? After giving them the law, the temple, the protection, everything else. Was good works out of these rules that he put in place. To produce something good. And the tenants took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Who are these tenants? Were the ones to whom he entrusted. He gave them with great trust. He gave them the great privilege of serving him. 
What a great privilege for them. And He gave them the freedom to take care of us. Who arrived at the land there? The servants that the Lord Master sent. For the Jews, they read this, the prophets. The prophets were God's servants who were sent over centuries to them to collect the good deeds from the people of God. They are the ones who are beaten, killed, stoned, and the last one right here, beheaded, St. John. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. The other good news, forgive me, I have two good news today. Look at how patient God is with them. How much He endured from these people now. How much humiliation over time. But when the patience of the Lord ran out, at the fulfillment of time, He sent His Son. Afterwards, He sent His Son to them, saying, They will respect My Son. He surely knew that His Son will be killed. God, the Holy Trinity, knew at the time of creation, when He planted Adam and Eve in paradise, that the Son will have to be sacrificed for the salvation of the most beautiful part of the creation, mankind. But He says this, they will respect My Son, telling us what it is that these people were supposed to do, and what would have saved them. The Son for us, Jesus Christ, Himself. But when the tenants saw the Son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill Him and have His inheritance. Note here that they knew exactly who this man was. Note here that they wanted to have the inheritance without giving to the Father, without giving returning to God. But the way they wanted to, on their own terms. And, what did they say? Let us kill him and have his inheritance. A lifestyle that started with, with no bringing gratitude to God. Growing in ingratitude. They did not bring the fruit to the master. Year after year. The ingratitude grew so gross that they killed the prophets, the servants that were sent to him. Year after year, they grew in their ingratitude, a shell that gave them the right reason to even kill the son of the landlord, of the master. Ingratitude leads to decay, to continuous fall, and to atrocious deeds. This is what they did now. They killed the son, as we know, on the cross. How? They took him, cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. They took him up on Golgotha, out of the city, out of the city, and killed him, the sinless one. Therefore, now the question comes to the, to the people in the temple. When the owner of the vineyard comes after his long endurance and long patience with them, what will he do to those tenants? And now, the Pharisees, the scribes, the leaders, the elders answer. 
And this is an amazing thing here. It's amazing. He who is condemned to death, Christ, asks his judges and the murderers, his murderers, he asks them now of their opinion. Look at this. He prefigures, he, he, he foresees, he prophesies his death. And in this prophecy here, he asks them, his murderers, what do you think he will do to them? And they answer, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. This is what they said. Meaning what? He will take all these blessings from the Jews and give them to the Gentiles. There will be a new vineyard. There will be new tenants. The new vineyard is now the church in which we are. It comprises the whole human race. Christ, the cornerstone, builds walls that bring together the whole human race. Hitler purged humanity of all but their own race. The others, Stalin and the other communists, brought in classes, classes, separate them and set them one against the other. Smart, huh? But in the church, the new vineyard, the whole human race comes together. It is the church of God. It is the house of God. Of God. And the new tenants are the apostles, the saints, the fathers, the doctors, the martyrs, the confessors, the bishops, the priests, the devout kings and queens. These are the new tenants. You're looking at one of them right now. This is the renewal that Christ brought to the world. With trust, trusting us, giving privilege to be sons of God, giving us total freedom to join this, but holding us accountable at the very end, as He did with these wretched tenants. The issue of deliberateness of sin. Deliberately going out there to sin, to do things against God is in the midst of this parable today. Intentionally sinning, read Hitler, Stalin, Ceausescu and the others, okay? but also read these tenants here, who sinned because of their ingratitude. God gave them everything. They were supposed to do what is natural, and they miserably failed. So, the peril now, you see, is easy to be drawn in terms of trust, privilege, freedom, and accountability. Between Christ, His church, and the tenants who serve Him, and those who establish the totalitarian communist regimes based on the Marxist ideology, you saw their results. I mentioned them to you. The very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and is marvelous in our eyes. They rejected Christ today, but He is the corner stone. Antichrist is a word that in the Greek language means instead of Christ. So you see, these people were not just opposed to Christ, they were instead of Christ. 
They all made sure that the church was taken out of the picture. Yeah. Not that not only that people cannot assemble in their churches. Well, some in some countries, yes, because they removed the churches in Russia. They bulldozed them. In other places like Romania, the churches stood. And the people were allowed to go to the churches. Unlike us today in this country. They were allowed to worship in their church with their own priests. But it was not safe. Because the priests could have very well been part of the security system. And get you, not only for for Holy Communion, but straight to the gulag, to the labor camps. So... Antichrist instead of Christ. We thank God that our nation is not ruled by somebody like those that, whose names I mentioned today. However, I challenge you to open your eyes and look around in our society and see who or what is instead of Christ. Who are our contemporary Antichrists? Again, that means instead of Christ. Allow me to point a few, tell you a few starting points. Technology and the power of communication. The cornerstone brings together all the people. Communication in the way we've experienced it in the last decades separates us in a way that dehumanizes us. Although we can quickly text an email, we are more and more further away from one another. And as you can tell, this Antichrist got in the midst of the church as well. Because we do not gather as a community here in front of Christ. We take advantage of this tool, of this Antichrist, called Zoom, or Facebook, or YouTube. The economy and prosperity, something that can unite us as the cornerstone. To some it became preaching the gospel of prosperity. For our nation, God, thank, thank God, so blessed under the sun. We've been a very prosperous nation. Many like myself desire to come to this land where honey and milk flow. Trusting, seeking privileges and freedom. Today, we see that it doesn't take much for this to fail and to and crumble. The COVID crisis put us in a situation that is desperate economically. And with ramifications, much like those that the once I mentioned, the, the, the Antichrist of the last century explored when they came to power and put their dictor, dictatorship in place. Remember, when one makes the rules, that's the safe sign of beginning a path on this, the path of destruction like they did. Atheism, the Antichrist. And the, the delusion of all the that we're, we're taught and, and explained that all faiths are the same. Just hug one another and thank God. We're all the same. It's the same God. Moreover, there's one that says there's no God. And the society accepts this today. What else can be Antichrist instead of Christ? Worse. Worse. Going to war. To bring us together. You see? Not the corner store Christ, but the war. We all gear up and focus on the Iraqi president. Saddam Hussein, forgive me. And we all go to war. They're all united for that. War can be an antichrist that brings us together.
And of course, dictators who take it in their own hands abusively and start telling us what to do. And we suffer from this today because we are being told that we cannot worship in the church. When Antichrists become the head of the building that you seek shelter under, it will fall down. It will fall down. So, let us not be like those Jews, Pharisees and elders who heard the word of this parable, who showed ingratitude. St. Nikolai Vilomirovich There's nothing in this world uglier than ingratitude. Nothing more insulting or soul-destroying. What can be uglier than when a man suppresses and conceals a good work done by him, done to him? And what is uglier than when a man returns mercilessness for mercy, faithlessness for faithfulness, dishonor for honor, and mockery for good? No single other living creature in the world is capable of such gratitude or ingratitude as man. And he points out that in us, we find the extremes, the worst of ingratitude, as in this parable here, and also the greatest of gratitude. Listen to this. The most grateful man is the closest to perfection. Remember the young man from last Sunday? What should I do to be perfect? So let's put this together, brothers and sisters. What can we do? If you listen to Father Josiah's sixth session, he talks about Marxism in our daily society here in contemporary terms. Okay. What can we do? From the Gospel reading today, we ought to fight these antichrists. Would this be technology? The prosperity and the economic desire to flourish? Atheism? Other spiritualities? Calls to unnecessary wars? And people who show their muscle imposing their own will, as the the tenants did in this parable today. But how are we going to do that? The recipe I'd like to suggest to you is very simple. Be grateful. Be grateful. You heard what ingratitude can do and how ugly this is. We also heard how patient the Lord is. We also know that we are the new creation, that the blood shed on the cross by these very people, the tenants, redeemed us and renewed us. And we have the means to be renewed every time we fall down and turn to antichrists. But be gracious. There are three ways I may suggest to you to be gracious. To be here when the Son, sent by the Father, is killed. This is now. To be here for the Divine Liturgy. This is the sacrifice we bring when the great sacrifice of the Son of God takes place. We are to bring ourselves as a sign of gratitude. Whereas our absence can be easily read as a sign of ingratitude.
And the tenants did this once. And they did it twice. And became their way of life. A lifestyle. And then they had no problem killing Christ. Not at all. It was all just natural. We'll do it. We'll take his inheritance. Fools, they didn't get anything. Zero. Gratitude by attending the divine service and receiving, participating in the mysteries. The second one, to bring fruit where these people could not do. Bring the fruit of virtues to God. Cultivate a clean and pure heart. Cleanse it. Work on cleansing the heart. Confess, repent, be back. The virtues. Bring the fruit to the wine press and produce the wine, the best of these virtues, which is love. Which is love. Show love to the point of sacrificing. This is the good news, the message of the gospel. Finally, combating gratitude. Do not allow it to find a nest in your heart by means of gratitude with giving. Give generously, liberally. As we are reading in the, in the letters of, uh, of St. Paul II to the Corinthians this last week, we talked at large about this, about gratitude and thanksgiving. For what purpose? To what level? To the level of others seeing how you give and give thanks to God for your great works. Not to you. Don't expect anything thanks in the return. Do that for the glory of God. As St. Paul said, your gratefulness, your sacrificial giving, caused thanksgiving, abundant thanksgiving with others to God. And for you to receive all the, the blessings of the, the grace of God for your ministries. Finally, give sacrificially when it comes to tithing. Show gratefulness in giving to the church. And do not let this become a stumbling block and an image of ingratitude. Yeah. This comes today as the festival in the past took place. This year we don't have the festival. And we're looking at our finances and tell ourselves how we're going to make it. The gospel today teaches not to be ingrateful, in, in in having gratitude, but rather have gratitude. To give with gratitude. And the problems will be solved. Stay in the new house of God. We have very tall hedges around us. The tower is impenetrable. We're safe. We're given everything we need. We just ought to stay with this true cornerstone in which everybody and everything come together. Upon which we build our church, our families, our lives in this world and in the one to come. Amen.